Cooking Issues. This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues, coming to you live from Newsday Studios at Rockefeller Center in the heart of New York City. Joined, as usual, with Nastasia de Hammer Lopez, but she's uh, joining it from an undisclosed location. How are you doing, Stas? I'm good. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. Hey, uh, well, we, have, we, have, we can ask, finally, later in the show, the question about whether we were completely in the wrong when we went to that place in Tokyo. Remind me. Because we gotta, we got to ask whether we were completely... Just being the worst cultural ambassadors of all time or not. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, yes. Yeah. All right. So remind me, remind me. Uh, joined in the studio with uh, John. How you doing? Doing great, thanks. Yeah, everything. What do we have? So we don't forget, because I always forget. What do we have to announce today? Oh, we got so many awesome things to announce. Right, why, don't you, um, why, don't you, why don't we take care of the announcements? Yes, great. So up through Friday, through Kitchen Arts and Letters, you can get 20% off the Japanese Art of the Cocktail. Um, I also posted on Patreon and in the Discord today about the Aura King Salmon discount as well as the Grove and Vine discount. So if you are not a member of the Patreon, what are you waiting for? Because in addition to all this great content, you're getting uh, these exclusive offers with some of our partners, and it's really great. Then upcoming guests, we've got James Hoffman, uh, Matt from Kitchen Arts and Letters, Adam DiMartino, Kenji Lopez-Alt. And next week, we don't have any guests, so we will get to the backlog of questions that we have. Right. So anyone that any Patreon question we haven't answered, although, John, you should call and see if any are, uh, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Time sensitive. Yep. Time, yeah. See if there's any are time sensitive, like someone has a wedding or something like this. Um, also, Patreon, like, reach out to us if you, if, you, if you really need something right away. I guess you don't have to wait for the show, right, John? But then I won't talk about it on the show if I tell you right away. Is that true, John? It's true. It's true. And joined, as usual, by the dueling banjo of engineers, Joe Hazen, here in our New York booth. How you doing, Joe? Hey, how you doing, Dave? I'm doing well. You sound mellow today. That's, uh, that's kind of like, uh, is that m- like fake new dad mellow or actual mellow? It's actual mellow. Things are good at home. That's great. That's so awesome. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, uh, Jackie Molecules, Jack Inslee, in, I'm assuming, L.A.? I don't... Yes. All right. What's up? I'm here in L.A. Man of the world, Jackie Molecules. Hmm. <laughs> All right, but today we have, uh, we were, we were going to have him on earlier, right? So it's, it's not that we had to wait a full year after the book came out. We, we, we had a little bit of a scheduling uh, snafu. But we have uh, today on the show uh, Masahiro Urushido, uh, who I've only ever spoken uh, as Masa. I've never, ever used his full name. In fact, for years, I didn't know he had a full name. He's just Masa in the way that Madonna, I mean, who knows Madonna's last name? You know what I'm saying? In the, in the bar world, Masa is Masa, and there is no other Masa. You know what I mean? In the bar world. You think it's accurate? Am I accurate? We also have uh, a, a guy I've known actually for how many? Like 12, 13 years? At least. Yeah. Michael Anstendig. So they wrote a... Uh, now, so a lot of people don't know this, but uh, Hannah Lee and Michael Anstendig are this like kind of like pow- food power couple in New York. And uh, Hannah Lee runs... Hannah Lee, H- Hannah Lee Communications is the name of the company, right? That's right. Yeah. And they... Uh, you might have heard of a bar called uh, The Dead Rabbit. Maybe you've heard of it. I don't know. If you've been to a bar in New York, you've heard of The Dead Rabbit. Anyway, so she... Uh, you know, she helped make the, them, like, one of the biggest bars. She works with uh, Masa at Katana Kitten, his amazing bar here in New York, uh, which we'll get into. But here's what I'm going to tell you about uh, Hannah and Michael. They were very early on the very first board of the Museum of Food and Drink, even, I think, before it was yep. even officially called the Museum of Food and Drink. So very uh, longtime friends, known them a long time. How you doing, Michael? Doing really good and uh, delighted to be here. 
Yeah. And Masa, how you doing? Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you. So, came out with this book. The Now, do you pronounce it the art of the Japanese? You don't pronounce it the way it's written on the book. You don't say Japanese art of the cocktail. You say art of the Japanese cocktail, right? Which one do you do? The Japanese art of the cocktail. Jap- the Japanese art of the cocktail. So, not, so it's not... It's the Japanese way to make a cocktail, whether it's Japanese or not. But not the art of only Japanese cocktails. So it's very important that the art go in the right spot. Exactly. All right. So uh, we, got a lot to, we got a lot to get through today uh, on, on this. Uh, and John, we had a couple of questions coming. You want to you hit, hit them up with the questions early? Yeah, why not? Let's do it. All right, do it. Do that before we get into the, you know. Great. All right. <clears throat> okay. So this is from Warren Johnston. I believe Katana Kitten has one of the Suntory highball machines for pre-chilling and carbonating whiskey. Highballs for on-tap service. Have you ever done a side-by-side comparison with a three-times force carbonation technique in Dave's Liquid Intelligence? And aside from the quicker service, are there any distinct advantages for the Suntory machine? Mm. All right, well, it's go for it, Masa. That's an amazing question. Yeah, and we're going to get a lot after this on, on highballs, too. So, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so say what you want about the question, and then we'll get into it. I love it. Well, but the first of all, thank you for having us. Oh, um, and that was very sweet introduction, David. And you are so natural. And then I'm just like so amazed by this. How do you call it? Like emceeing. <laughs> oh my gosh! This well, we've been doing it for like how many years? We've been doing this for. It's just so years. natural, and you're not reading it. No, 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 no. No, it just comes from your mind. That's amazing. But the trick is, uh, people. This is funny. No one's ever asked me about how we do this. But the trick is, is that like I have the questions here, and uh-huh. then usually I just have like a, a couple of notes. Yeah. But uh, most of the time, I get into such like questions that I, I even forget to go to the notes sometimes. You know. But usually, so it's fast. just for the questions. So fast. Well, this is the problem with my head. This is why I go in tangents all the time. I mean, you know me from the bar. This is why they never let me behind the stick at the bar because I'm yeah. just all over the place. You know. It's super cool. Yeah. So, okay, Toki, uh, what was it? Toki the, machine. The machine, yes. Uh, machine is super cool. Uh, and then it's uh, financially, it's very affordable. So it's kind of like a win-win. And then that's kind of win to that brand, the Santoris, that they created this absolutely amazing machine. So you asking about the comparison. So the, yes, I guess we did. So that we bought the um, um, uh, Schweppes, the, the soda water across the street from Rite Aid. And it came <laughs> back. And it very well chilled. I spit it out a little bit to give it room. And then they put the carbonator. Just like, you know, the, I learned how to carbonate things from, uh, from Dave. So back in the days that like, the, uh, everyone was using the uh, soda stream. I should, I should not say this. You can. You can say whatever you yeah, want. Yeah, okay, okay. So... That, that was like, like you know, the, 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 for the bar in, in the very early time, like everyone used it. It was this good, but it's almost like, like almost like a home cooking use, you know. That, that it's not professional. And then I learned that first cup. Oh, you, you remember that was from a Shiva's competition? Yeah, 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 yeah. Which you won. You won the, the Shiva's the, competition. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah, yeah. The, we carbonated. Uh, we were where nomad. Nomad, and then you show everyone how to uh, the first right, with carbonate. the bottles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the, the what's it called? That the with the carbonator cap, the carbonator liquid cap. carbonator. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that was an amazing experience, and then since like we started using it, uh, anyway, uh, go back to the answer to the question. So, um, we tried so that again, the force carbonated the uh, store bought uh, soda water like, a couple of times. Yeah. At some point, like you can't really add much. You know, you know that the, you're not making the size of the bubble smaller. That's how I felt. Right, right. You know, the, the taste in comparison. But the, it's it's all about comes down to 
consistency in how rational your practice basically you're serving hundreds for hundreds for highball every night so um to answer to the question, the, the difference, yes, but, you know, I prefer that the machine combination. Right. Well, the other thing is, I think, you know, from my perspective, like taking on the kind of carbonation that we did is, there. look, there's a reason that we were, there's a reason that both bars that I, you know, had that we were, like, I think, very good at certain things, and then other things we just didn't even attempt to do because... There's just a lot. There's a lot to maintain that kind of carbonation program. You have to devote a lot of your energy to that carbonation program, which means, you know, you want to think when you're young that you have a, a, an infinite amount of energy. They, they don't. You don't. You don't. You have to focus on some things. And the Toki machine, I actually believe it's a good machine. I think it's a good machine. Um, I think it's also uh, it's maybe like a slightly different result. What's What's interesting to me from reading the book that I didn't know. I didn't know you could adjust the mixture ratio on the Tokyo machine. Oh, yeah, to- you can do to- one-to-one. To- yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you can do one-to-one, you can do, you know. Because the, the traditional Toki <clears throat> highball uh, Japanese style is a, is a four-to-one, right? A three, is it three-and-a-half or four-to-one? It's a... You know what? That the so I don't know exact ratio because the you know when I was young I didn't you know really care that what's in it or like right. you know the, the pay attention to right. those details. So I remember that the enjoying those uh, the Japanese highball when when I was you know going out. I tasted it very thin. I mean, like that's also kind of you know, izakaya or like a little nicer uh, bar. The the way they make it, the, it, as you go to the nicer bar, I tasted it more whiskey in it, so like the ratio is much more you know like smaller, mm. but. If you go out in the izakaya or like those at the casual uh, environment, the casual setting, I tasted it more thinner in an obvious reason, you know, yeah. <laughs> I should have saved some money. But um, from from restaurant bar perspective. So like, the, I'm not sure that exactly that what we do now at the Katana Kitten is about one to five. Wonderful. So, so it's light. Hey, hold on, hold on. Sorry, sorry. That, that's your question. So hold yeah, on, yeah. Dave. Uh, the twelve ounce glass. I'm right. so I'm so happy that I brought I brought a little refreshment for you guys. Oh, mind. nice! Yeah, of course. So while while Moss is getting this, um, I'll say also for those of you that don't know, Toki is an interesting whiskey because it built a lot for highball. Oh my God! Look at this. So check this out. It's a perfect question. The perfect the first too? question. I mean, this is Masa. <laughs> Look, Masa. Nice. Masa comes glass. prepared. Listen, Masa, like for those of you that have never been to Katana Kitten, Masa is an unbelievable host. And that's part of the bar experience is not only the cocktail and the way it looks, but unbelievable host. So uh, a well-known bartender back when Existing Conditions was open went to Katana Kitten and then came to uh, our bar and was like, look, I got a signed, uh, I got a signed, you know, whatever it was, like the, the sake box or something from uh, or something signed from uh, from Masa with my name on it. And so I just took a piece of fruit off the bar. I was like, get out of here, jerk, and signed it and gave it to him because, like, we, there's no one, can, no one can beat Masa at that kind of host game. You know what I mean, Michael? I agree 100%. Yeah. There's a – he's super interesting. So while – oh, look at this. Yeah, so I brought some uh, uh, glass. So well, just so, like we make up uh, back in the Katana So uh, for a, a, a visual, there appears to be a chilled bottle of spirit – Chilled glasses with ice in them, coming in a uh, like in a container. Perfectly tempered at ice. Per- perfectly tempered. Yeah, yeah. Not like yeah. look. It looks clear. Oh, yeah. I'm giving you a visual reference, and you can see it if you're a Patreon member. You can see what's going on. Yeah. Now I'll say this about Toki. What's interesting about Toki, the whiskey specifically for highball applications, is that 
it is a very viscous whiskey. So uh, it maintains its body uh, with dilution. It's specifically designed to maintain body over a wide uh, over a wide dilution range. I, w- I don't think you were there, Moss. I don't know. I did with Don years ago at the Brooklyn Bar Convent. I, we did something with Toki, and I was getting to talk to the uh, not the distiller, but the new, the the U.S. rep, uh, American guy, and Gartner. we were what? Gartner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. we were, and we were talking about uh, we were talking about like specifically why Toki is designed for a highball, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I'm so sorry. I brought only three. Do you have oh, cups? Have ah, okay. Oh my God. Oh, beautiful. Right. So here comes the highball. There you go. Cheers. Oh, thank Cheers you so life. much. Cheers, Michael. Kanpai? Yeah, Kanpai. I brought, I brought enough, uh, uh, I think I brought enough whiskey for another round. Right, and John, we, we, can, we can split. Oh, yeah. I like the little twist on time. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, so this is, this is what we would refer to as a delicious, refreshing drink, right? But the, <sighs> but the nice thing about um, Toki, right? So, like, would you say it's fair that culturally, at least in the past, American bar drinks have skewed higher in alcohol than than the equivalent actual drink consumed in Japan. So like this tastes like delicious and refreshing. Like maybe nowadays I think many people gravitate towards this. And now I get older, I gravitate towards this kind of drink. It's becoming very popular now. But back in the day there was more of a difference between Japanese perception of ideal amount of alcohol in a drink and American idea of ideal alcohol in a drink. What do you think? I'm not sure. You know like the I think that the consciousness was more the experiencing alcohol, which is feeling the booze, right? Like may- maybe that's what I think. So like today, like you know, like it's not about uh, uh, thinner, but more flavor. Right, right, you know, right. like it, kind of the the focus is more on, not on the money that penny that you're spending on. Right. You know, like it used to be like, oh come on, like it's, it's so thin. You know, like it was, I, I pay this much and where's another shot? You know, like the, that kind of the ratio on the, the, the taste and, the, you know, knees. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's an extreme fine line. Here, uh, Michael, pass it back to John so we can have a taste, please. Sure. There's an extreme fine line with uh, booze in general, whiskey specifically, where, like, it's delicious, it's delicious, it's deli- thin, right? And, and, and what's nice about Toki is it's a little bit more forgiving if they don't drink it at the right speed. It stays, its body stays good a little bit longer than some other whiskeys. Uh, and in fact, we had a question, I don't know who it was from, uh, John, but roughly, uh, roughly stated uh, was, if you were going to make a bourbon highball, what, what would you use? And so you'd have to choose one that works well over a wide dilution range. Do you have one that you like or not? Would a high-proof bourbon work well, or is there an expert opinion as to the quote-unquote correct bourbon? What would you use for bourbon? I think highball? so. Uh, I don't. I, I really don't actually. I, I I like scotch. I like yeah. I like um I like scotch whiskey. I like a nice scotch whiskey. I like Japanese whiskey. Uh, I like bourbon too, but not particularly. I wouldn't make that with a uh, soda water highball. I just drink itself. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I've never actually. It's interesting. I've never made. Uh, I've never done uh, like a whiskey soda. With uh, bourbon, I have one. I have one. Actually. Yeah. Okay. What? Uh, I W Hopper. Okay. Yeah. I, I think that that makes absolutely beautiful highball. All right. Well, there you, you know, go. Like, that's what it, the uh, I was making back in Japan, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. You know that there's a square bottle. I think that was a 12 year bottle. Everyone's well, no, changed no. their age statements now. You yeah, can't yeah, tell yeah, anymore. Yeah. So, but the, that was like around 2000. Um, like you know the, the square bottle. Yeah. Um, kind of like a, almost a kind of etched design mm-hmm. bottle. 
it's so beautiful. And then I think that was something they uh, used to make um, back in Japan, and I, I thought it was delicious. There you go. I see. Actually, uh, Jim Beam has uh, highball RTDs. Yeah, are they, well, everyone's everyone's on the RTD market now. Japan beat us way to it because they don't have the stupid liquor laws that we have, so it's much easier for them to do RTDs there than it is for us to do it. Have you had the Jim Beam RTD, Michael? I, I have. How was it? Quite good, quite good. Yeah, now let me ask you this. Are you representing it? I'm just messing with oh, you. Yeah. Oh, snap. No, no financial interest. Okay, okay. And you like it? I do. Do I they do. jack it with glycerin? I don't know. Listen, people, if you if you were having trouble with your highball and you're using a whiskey that isn't designed for it, right? Or if you just want to make your drinks less alcoholic but not taste thin, just put a little bit of, just trust me, try it. Put a little bit of vegetable glycerin in it. You're not making it worse. You're trying to get a different effect. As long as, people hate glycerin because it was meant to make things cheap, but if you're using it, to make things better, there's, it's it's has it's not dishonorable to use it anyway. Um, okay, that's amazing. Yeah, oh, it's great. I mean, like, and so like, uh, you know, when we were doing, um, like, we were doing whiskey soda. We do whiskey soda with a company, and they they wouldn't they wouldn't want us to right. Uh, they want the ratio they want. I would always add a little bit of glycerin because I was like, it's too thin. You know what I mean? Uh, Toki, you don't really need to. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Toki is built for it almost. In fact, they don't sell it in Japan, right? It's only here still. Yeah. What? I'm sorry. Toki is still only Toki. in the U.S. Uh, maybe in the U.K. They have in the U.K., but it's not in Japan. It's no. made in Japan, no, no, no. but sold here. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, let me ask you about Japanese whiskey, because I know you love it. I know Michael loves it. Do you remember when, like, in, like, 20, like, 10, 2011, Japanese whiskey was so, so affordable? You could buy it. We, like, we bought Yamazaki. It was nothing. I mean, not nothing, but it was, like, completely affordable. Now it's, as you write in the book, Pappy Van Winkle syndrome, it's crazy. Is it making it more difficult in your life to do it? Or does it mean that, do you have enough customers come in, want to pay for it, and then so it's fine? Or does it make you angry that it's much harder to enjoy for people because of the cost? That's a long question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, But I remember, I wish I remembered, like, you know, like, walking to the liquor store as, like, like a 10 years old and the early interest, you know, looking at the shelf and checking out the Santori's um, uh, whiskey price. But I remember, uh, have you seen those um, ceramic bottles, the New Year bottle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have one. Animals? Yeah, yeah, I have one, yeah. I remember that we had my, um, my grandpa from mom's side, he used to have um, um, the watch clock shop, you know, like repairing uh, the watches and the clocks. Um, and then kind of New Year gift. Oh, so did like, you say your dad worked for Seiko? Uh, yes. But not the clock to, people. Not the clock. No, no for the, the new stuff like All the right. computers and All screens. Right. Um, so the grandpa shop, so like kind of as a New Year gift, I think he was giving away those, um, for those uh, regulars, that the, you know, clients and like, as a thank you, I think. So like all those like a ceramic model we, I, I used to see as a kid, like what's in it? Of course, curious, but like, <laughs> there was a whiskey, so you can't touch it. But I used to remember that the wall to wall of the, those kind of, uh, what's it called that the... Santori, I think that was a Santori Royal. That's the inside of the juice. But the New Year, different shape, and giving away to um, those uh, clients. Um, next time I go home, I'm going to check on the shelf. Yeah, check on that shelf. Yeah, yeah see, yeah. No. put it in your pocket because that stuff now, whisk, like Japanese whiskey, you can't, you can't even touch it. Like I remember once, uh, even a couple of years ago, we had a uh, a bartender, very unusual, an Amer- an American, like an American-born person who was working in a in a Tokyo bar, which is unusual, as you know. And not in an American bar in Tokyo, in a Japanese bar in Tokyo. And he told me that, like, he goes to the liquor store, like, every day 
to see if he can spot one of the limited releases that come out, and then he buys it, and half of his income is actually just retrading hmm. limited release Japanese whiskeys. It's just nuts. It's crazy. Very risky. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. but apparently, like the stuff doesn't go down in value. You know? Oh, is it illegal to do it? I'm not sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. I'm um, sure you don't spill it. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the the thing is, nobody anticipated this boom, including the Japanese producers. So, you can't just make this stuff overnight. You know, it it has to age for a certain period. So, I think we're going to be facing this situation for a while. Yeah. Well, I mean, like in a way, I mean, obviously, it's good for the producer, right? I think so. You know, if I was making, uh, if I'm, if I'm the whiskey producer, it's like. Um, Japanese whiskey producer, you know, like I want to buy it. I want, I want to buy my uh, all my whiskeys. Don't drink too fast, but uh, not too slow. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, now, something I want to ask you. So, you came over in what, like a 2007 or something like 2008. this? 2008. 2008. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, and you write about this. One of the things that's always fascinated me is like, like culturally the difference in how to learn a craft. In Japan versus in the U.S., right? So in the U.S., we expect that if I'm going to go do something, that you're going to teach me, right? And uh, we get mad if you don't. If you don't teach me, you know, we get angry. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, you, we feel that the that the you know the mentor is is not uh, is not a good mentor. That they they are not uh, you know they're not being giving, right? And, um, you know, from the few times I've interacted with, you know, people in Japan or, you know, from Japan coming over, it's very uh, different. And you, you know, you write in the book, uh, I'm going to mispronounce it, but uh, um, Minarai, how do you pronounce it? Look and learn, watch and learn. Minarai. Minarai, yeah. And it's a very, very different, it's a very conceptually different, right? It's not about me asking why you do something. It's about looking and paying attention. A completely different way of learning. So as someone who is brought up with that, but you have to train American staff, how does that work? Like, how do you, how do you split that difference? Do you feel more American in the way you train or do you feel more like a, in a Japanese way when you're training people? That's going to be a very long uh, answer. So the, I think to me today, uh, this is how... Uh, the way I think is that, you know, like thanks to this very person, his name is Mr. Asai. He's in the book that, you know, I really uh, show um, really gratitude. He was the know, head like, waiter in your first big exa- job, right? Exactly. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. You, you read it. Um, so, so Asai um, told me once and says like uh, how important that, like important to be a uh, absolute beginner. So I think that, that to answer the question, the, the different style of the teaching and different era that we all uh, came from, like what we learn through the experience and working in very particular place in a very particular uh, time period. And I, I think it's to me is that up to that how spongy your brain is, <laughs> how flexible your brain is, or, or the mental state that they're ready to learn, not to take anything, not anything, it's, that's the, the, uh, the very difficult, but how to be kind of not just only receptive, but, but the how to take things in to you, you know, like that, that as you get older and then you have experience and you have certain mindset that like, oh, this is the way I like, maybe the, this is the way I like to learn. But then when you, when you were like 18, 19, pretty much my head was like, you know, like the, <laughs> pretty stupid, you know, like the, the kind of the <laughs> airhead. Um, and 
that way that I I didn't take certain way of a teaching method, and I wouldn't say this, you know, that the interview, but um, wasn't efficient to me today. Uh, if I look back, I can, oh, that, that's not how you should talk to, gener- generally talk to other people. You know, that, that's not nice, you know. <laughs> but uh, back then, I, I took it like like really uh, something, harsh words and, you know, like attitudes towards me that they're from those uh, senpais, essentially. And then, and on the way back, and, and, and on the train, and I was like, I don't know why he was so mad at me in that way. And then I, I, I tried to do this way, and then it was wrong way to him. And then like they got mad. And why, why, why keep thinking? Like I never took it personally. Like the way that like this, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. so, um, which is the way everyone takes it here. You know, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Bit, like I kind of kept like never got like mad at them. In a way, it was just like, why? The curious question, why they were so mad? Why? You know? Sleep on it, wake up next day, you have to go back to work. You know, like, so you feel like, a little, oh, maybe I don't want to go. You know, but it show up to work and it's, again, switches on, like you clock in and on, like, you know, like really, like, mode um, in, in the zone that, like, setting up, but, you know, the, the tables and everything and keep thinking. And then next time you see something he does, so many things, so many, you know, like the amazing tricks. And um, then I think like, oh, oh, that's why, that's why I was wrong. You know, like when you see that kind of success in front of you, like how he served and then made that guest happy, like, you know, like really smiling and happy. And then, then I learned, oh, there you go. That's the timing. That's the timing, how you do it. You know, like that's kind of sort of the... Moved to New York. I'm sorry, just fast forward. Moved to New York, and then I learned so much from Nari Young and Lyndon Pride at the when I was at Saxon Pro. And you know, very different the way I kind of like learned before. Like so, like just like oh, back in the school. So this is the feel, you know, that they're learning from them. And then they're both from Australia, and then you know, lived in New York and uh, experiencing in New York in the restaurant and bars. So uh, I kind of took lots of advantages and from that experience it's just basically all these ideas that they something personally i learned the way that from japan and that at the same time kind of you know just it's, it's not teaching but it's more like like a sharing idea to uh staff that with the um something i personally experienced from those japanese uh sensei from the japanese sensei and then, uh uh young as well so would you say because this is the way i think to me ideal which i don't know how to do it but to me, the ideal is to teach, I think, which is the heart of what you're saying, is close observation, right? Close observation. And another thing, you, a concept you uh, bring up a lot, which is uh, the Kaizen, constant improvement. Close observation, constant improvement, and also the value and the love of repetition, the value of consistency and repetition. So, like, these are very hard things to teach, Right. And so, like, I guess the value of the system you grew up with, although you were young when you came over, but the value of the system you grew up with is that it's all that. You know what I mean? So but like combining that with kind of the U.S. mentality, it's got to be an interesting problem. Very hard to teach. The hardest thing to teach the the getting people to love the idea of focusing on the tiny differences in what they do the same way every day, the tiny differences. Because you can't see the tiny differences if you don't do it. To se- try to do it the same way all the time, right? Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. I'm just trying to listen to every single, like, the, uh, the questions. But, yeah. Um, 
the beauty that the art of repetition, just just like you mentioned, and then also you know the kaizen that goes back to the kaizen. The kaizen, sometime yes, something existing and it make a little bit better than uh, existing state or you know like what was it before. But something you set called recipe and then repeat that again and again and. Um, Cause I can't like so we have a highball menu and then signature character menu that you know the the on the menu the sections so all the five highballs and the five signature characters and the five um, uh, boilermakers and the top three is always the same you know like kind of you know stays the same and I'm sure there's a certain amongst like a certain people there might be a fear of kind of pressure that oh I have to constantly change in the menu I have to keep it like exciting and you know like that but. Once we made those perfect three, top, you know, top highballs and then three signature characters, including martini, uh, Negroni twist, and then uh, a whiskey sour variation, and then highballs, you know, the same. We have gin tonic and um, vodka soda, essentially. It's called melon lime soda. Never comes off the menu, but there's a really definitely an art that just like you go to your all favorite place, you know, it could be a diner, could be like you know, a diver in a neighborhood or uh, your favorite restaurant, you know. Always certain your one of your favorite comes out absolutely same flavor, same temperature, you know, like the same plating, you know, not too much sauce, but like exactly amount of the the right amount of the sauce every single time, and I think that's beautiful. It's so comforting. It's comforting. It's very comforting. So that's that's right. So that I think that's the word that they kind of come back to the service and you know what we do that the to make sure it's comfortable. I think yeah, and yeah. approachable, and then it's comfortable. I think. Right. I mean. Uh it's interesting, though, because I think it's true. Like, so, you know, at this point in my life, right, I have recipes that I've been making pretty much the same way for, I don't know, 15 years, 16, 17 years, something like this. Mm. Uh, and, um, you know, professionally, I mean, not like, you know, at home, you know, but and sometimes... Yeah, you just have to keep focusing on it because you have to keep sometimes you have to erase in your mind what you know because the conditions on the ground change and so the product isn't the same as it was when you start it's crazy like you have to still be open mm-hmm. your entire life to change because otherwise you can't see it happening in front of you you know what I mean Right I think that the 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 mindfulness the mind of the the kaizen so that's why you notice the difference from the before it's just like you said, like, yeah. oh, this carrot doesn't taste the same like today, you know, like from yeah. yesterday. And then yeah. I think um, that kind of like from the start, like beginning of Kaiser, I guess, like you kind of start noticing uh, maybe the difference. All right. So we're going to go to a commercial break. But what I want, what I want to take away, we come back maybe, is uh, Masa's idea of the spongy brain when you're young. And I think the way to stay, the, the, the peak thing, when you get older people, I don't know how old you are listening, but when you get older Try to get some of that spongy brain back. The hardest thing to do, throw away what you know and try to be a beginner again, no matter what age you are. This way, you can, you can keep learning. Anyway, spongy brain. We'll be back in a minute. Cooking Issues. This episode of Cooking Issues brought to you by Aura King Salmon, our favorite fish. Today, we have Michael Fabro from Aura King to tell us more about it. Aura King Salmon is a king salmon raised or farmed down in New Zealand. Among all the salmon species, kings carry more fat. And then Aura King 
is particularly uh, rich and fatty. We like to think of it as like the Wagyu of salmon. Uh, our fat content's about 25%, so 25% fat to lean. And the salmon, it's cured with uh, sugar and salt, and it's smoked with manuka wood. It's uh, an indigenous wood to New Zealand, and, and down there, it's very traditional that you would smoke meats and fish with this. And it also imparts what I think is like a pretty cool flavor. Like I've picked up the shavings of manuka, and it kind of has this herbally, almost eucalyptus essence to it. So it's just a little bit different. Aura King Salmon. Follow them on Instagram at Aura King Salmon. Everybody's favorite fish. And we're back. Uh, so uh, I had a question I wanted to get to because we have uh, uh, Michael and Masa here today. So I know you're experts in uh, Japanese spirits, Japanese products. What, do you guys also like know a lot, uh, about like Okinawan products as well? A little bit? Can I ask you a question about Okinawan product? I think so. Okay. Just a little bit. Just uh, a little well, bit. I mean I like more than me, <laughs> uh, which is zero. I know nothing except for the sugar, which is delicious. Do you guys use that Okinawan sugar or no? Yeah, we do. It's good, huh? Yeah. There's different. There's so many different kinds. Every brand, every mm-hmm. one is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Which ones do you? Which Okinawan sugar do you use? Uh, I just buy it from. Uh, <laughs> so we moved to a new apartment like last year, and then just like we found this the Japanese grocery store next to it, and then just sell it, and it's uh, from. Um, uh, you know, like the kind of like rock sugar. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. It, but um, looks like basically the kind of coagulated molasses, kind of looking. You yeah, know, yeah. like that the. Not the like rock sugar, like kind of sharper edge on the cut, but like more like a kind of round, like yeah, it look, yeah. looks like a little, you know, looks like something, but <laughs> <laughs> but kind of like a little soft, more kind of the powdered edges, but the, the dark cane sugar. So they from Okinawa. And but because uh, some I've had are very bitter and some just a little bit bitter. Like I don't know which one you like because the, the different applications, not necessarily better or worse, is different. Like do you like it more bitter, more sulfur, or do you like it more like a little, little less? Crazy, a little less crazy. I think <laughs> I use those for, uh, uh, especially in cooking, particularly in cooking. Uh, amazing with the pork. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm. I mean, apparently, they have some amazing pork there too, right? I've never been to Okinawa. I've never been to Okinawa. Mm. Someday I'll go. Uh, okay, so the question was, and I'll butcher the pronunciation again. Uh, awamori, which is uh, so. T- so the question was from um, Panda Tadoka was not exactly a question. Would love it. If you could talk about Aomori, I had it for the first time this past summer and loved it. Very challenging to get on the East Coast, but would love to know more about uh, more about it. So if you guys have something to say, let me know. What do you got? Michael. I mean, for my, uh, for my limited knowledge, I would say it's uh, very similar to uh, shochu, but it uses a, uh, a different kind of uh, koji, which is a uh, beneficent uh, enzyme that helps turn uh, sugar into, turn starch rather, into fermentable sugar. And uh, I, I believe they use a, a different strain of rice as well. Yeah, like, I forget. Which which it's rice? It's like, a, like a, the Thai rice, you know, like oh, yeah, a, yeah. Indica Thai rice or something. Exactly. Yeah. So the, the only my memory of uh, Awamori, very particular. So everyone's taste changed, right? Like from like when you were young and then older. And then I, I think you get older and much more appreciation and more knowledge, you know, you have the, before you even sipping something. So like, okay, so you already have appreciation. Appreciation taste makes things think, takes, taste um, better. So uh, Aromori is like pretty much like, so I'm from Nagano, the countryside in the mainland in uh, Japan. High school, I believe, no. I think it was high school, high school or junior high, uh, field trip. You know, like the, the everyone's like taking the, the airplane for first time and then it's going to Okinawa. 
So that, that was Okinawa, so I think, yes. And then went to Okinawa. And you know what we do? Like, you know, 13, 15 years old kids. You know, like you drink, you know? Like you <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and, but you don't know how to drink. And then I remember how funky it was. <laughs> and immediately, immediately, you know, but the, the way you drink it, you know, like 13, 15, it's like you drink from the bottle, you know, yeah. they pass it around. And um, I remember how funky that was. I remember how immediately I got sick. Um, that's my uh, Awamori impact uh, on my brain to this day until I tasted some, uh, the modern one uh, recently. But I wish they didn't change that. Like certain brands, like started making more, and you know, you can do whatever you want. But I like more funkiness and I like more kind of uniqueness, you know, just just stay as it is, instead of, oh, make it a little, you know, let's distill like three times. And, or let's, and last time, maybe you can put in the continuous and it comes yeah. out a little smoother, you know, yeah, so yeah, you yeah. can sell. But um, that, that's my... Uh, <laughs> well, what uh, well, what brand do they ship out here? I don't even know. I'm not sure. That they were, you know, like Skernik, uh, they have oh, they like have? wide selection of um, the imports. From I love Skernik. Skernik yeah. is great. Yeah. Uh, but the, the that's no, a this, that's a distributor, by the way, uh, out here in New York. But they're, they're they're good for those of you that don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> well, big big shout out to Justin. Mm -hmm. Well, but the sorry, this is not uh, Mori, but the we we carry uh, the rum from Okinawa. Oh yeah, uh, but not from mainland Okinawa, but the Okinawa can that the kind of state of Okinawa and the other tiny island called Minami uh, Daito. I think that's the name of the Minami Daito. That name of the island. It's called Korkor. So C-O-R, space C-O-R, they have a green one and a red one. Uh, those are unique rum uh, from Japan, uh, from, can, from Okinawa. And we can pick that up here in New York, right? You can buy from, uh, yeah, you yeah. can buy in New York. So can I tell you, Mike, like, so this is a, when uh, young, when you have something the wrong way. So my first experience with sake, I had no idea. Now, remember, this is in the late 80s, right? So like 1989, so I'm like 18, 19. And it's, Ill it's illegal for me because it was already 21 years old and I wasn't 21. So, like, uh, all we knew back then in the, in the U.S. was, oh, you're supposed to drink this hot. You're supposed to drink this hot. So <clears throat> we went to the wine store and somehow someone bought us this bottle of sake, like a little bottle. I still remember it. Ugly bottle. Like, really ugly bottle. Really bad quality sake. You know, uh, and, uh, and we heated it up and I went outside to watch a band play. And the minute this touched my lips, I was like, oh, <laughs> people drink this. I was like, this is the worst experience of all time. You know what I mean? And it was many years before I could come back and appreciate it just because if you have something wrong the first time, you know what I mean? Or when you're young or you, someone doesn't prime your head right, it can poison your mind for a long time. It's yeah, crazy. Traumatizing. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you mentioned also... Um, I know, like a lot, uh, mo most of our listeners will already know, okay. But you have a beginning section where, uh, where you, you talk about it. So let's just, you want to dispel or talk about the differences between uh, shoju and shochu, like the difference between them, like Korean versus Japanese, like w what's going on and the, and the difference, just so people know. Most of our listeners will already know because we have a very technical listenership, but. Why don't you get into it and then your love of it. I know you could work a lot with Ichiko, which is a, a good company, if you want to talk about that too. Yeah, about the shochu and yeah, the soju. Yeah, yeah so the soju is from, I believe it's from Korea. Well, pretty much anyway, like you can make, and then as, as, as much as you have a respect for the origin, and you can call it the soju or the shochu. 
You know, you can. I think you can make in shochu in here, and you can't call it, but like you can make it. Are there any rules here? Do we have rules? I'm not sure. Can you make American shochu? Do we know? have rules, Michael? Do we have rules? I have rules. Well, you have rules. You know, like there are there are uh, sojus that have been made in the U.S. and you can call it soju, but they're not shochu. That I'm not sure of. Mm. So. If you had to, like, te- like, the main difference culturally between the two, what would you say? Here's the thing. Um, confession to make it. Have I ever tried the soju? I'm not sure. Really? I'm not sure. Because even when I was in Japan, even I really drink much shochu either. Huh. You know, I, was, I, like, I like beer and I like wine. All right. Like, you you like tell a story bag. about stealing all of the wine after the guests leave. Uh, not stealing. No. Not stealing. It's tasting. tasting. It's <laughs> kind of gross. But like, no, no, back then, like, it wasn't gross at all. Like, you know, like, you, 19 years old. You know, if you like, read the book, people are, like, leaving, like, half glasses of, like, 82 Latour around was yeah, the one you yeah, mentioned in the thing. Yeah. And you're like, I mean, of course you taste it. Come on. Mm-hmm. Come on. Someone leaves, like, you know, $1,000 you know, bottle of wine in the, in the you're going to taste it. Yeah, absolutely. You'd oh, be crazy not to. I was to. like, look, look at this, like, oh, Chateau Lafitte, you know, like in the 89, um, beautiful, you know, yeah. like it's a beautiful one. It's like, how, how come like, they, like such a waste, they're wasting money, like this much, like this much, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, living yeah. in the bottom of the uh, bottom of the bottle. He's showing and a full glass with his fingers, by the way. I was yeah. like, I just poured it out and it's, like, it's all the, the segments, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You'll let it settle, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, I've poured expensive stuff through napkins. I don't know whether you guys have done it, but mm. I mean, I've poured expensive stuff through napkins. I'm not, you know. You should use a spinzol. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> it would. Uh, I wonder what, how much it would aerate it. I'm gonna think about it. I've never tried to desediment with it. Hey, so go ahead. Yeah. So we're talking about like uh, other shochu. Yeah, other yeah. So you're like, so you're saying you weren't drinking it that much, Mm-mm. but you use it a lot now. I do. Um, I think the unique thing about shochu, um, speaking of Japanese shochu. Made in Japan, Honkaku shochu. Those are little uh, lower alcohol percentage than twenty five percent compared to you know like the alcohol. When you say white spirits, you expect like forty percent and right. plus. You know that the so that's why you get that uh, when you sip it or you chug it, <laughs> you you taste that uh, weight. So that kind of reflects in the cocktails as well. Um, but the, the today, like you can you know depends on how what you mix it. But you can make beautiful, flavorful. Uh, drink with Honkaku Shoji, 25% alcohol, which is much more lower. But still, it kind of surprises that, like, sometimes I think that, you know, more higher the booze and you expect more flavor on in the way. But the uh, you need to think about uh, those Honkaku Shoji, the 25%. You know, it's definitely lighter. It's light, lighter to your palate, the the the, the way that it coats your mouth, that the, the alcohol coats your mouth. But lower, lower alcohol, but still carries enough flavor to stand up for the, the 40, 40 plus percent uh, spirits. Right. D- difficult to use in a cocktail though, right? I mean, that's why like Ichiko, which is like a 40% like a The Saiten, is... Saiten, that the, that's the name of the, we use both actually. Right, yeah. So we, we use um, uh, Ichiko Silhouette, which is a traditional Honkaku Shoshu 25%. Uh, you, we make kind of like an old fashioned, seasonal old fashioned style cocktail. So old fashioned that you expect like a kind of stronger cocktail but it comes out as kind of a little lighter but the good flavor cocktail and then uh, we use um, uh, Ichiko Saiten which is the um, uh, higher purified I believe it's 43% alcohol and we use that uh, for our signature um, uh, Negroni twist it's called Megaroni yeah yeah you want to talk about it because you have a lot of like uh, funky stuff in that you want to talk about the recipe for that so that's in the Megaroni number two which we changed the recipe 
on the way, uh, Kaizen, or whatever. <laughs> um, so uh, Ichiko Saiten as a base. And we add, just like the Negroni, so that's a, a portion of it. And then equal parts of that and Caffo Red Bitter, the Italian bitter instead of Campari. It's a little bit rounder. Uh, and then Kokuto uh, Shochu, which is a Choya, uh, which is big Shochu, uh, uh, sorry, big umeshu maker in yeah. Japan. Uh, they make it this one. It's called Kokuto, which is uh, just, we, oh my gosh, that's just like we were talking about that the uh, cane sugar, the black cane sugar, extra age uh, uh, umeshu. So kind of little richer style of the umeshu. And so we add dash of uh, uh, Geneva to kind of give that a little more Kind of a little maltiness. Kind yeah, of, it's very know. malty stuff. You use the old duff you said. In the, you call out the actual brands in here, which is interesting, which I think is a it's a newer way of writing. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, no, it's okay. Yeah. So, yeah, two different styles of shochu. Um, but today, definitely I appreciate more. Um, I don't want to repeat the story, but like how I remember from first shochu experience back in Japan <laughs> when you're young um, to today because I have more appreciation. So uh, I get to taste, you know, uh, different nuances. You know? <laughs> All right, let me ask you this because I don't want to forget. So Nastasia and I, and you mentioned the bar here, the uh, Park Hyatt, the New York, uh, what's it called? The New York Bar, the Park Hyatt Hotel in Tokyo. Amazing service here. I mean, like Stas, how much did we love working there? Loved it. Loved it. The, the, um, the people who uh, were, the, the, the staff there was so nice to us. We, Stas, how many unreasonable requests did we make? So many. We couldn't, you and I couldn't figure out the subway system. So they, they did everything. It was, it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. I still remember one of the, uh, my son Dax came and one of the guys, uh, one of the people who was working at the, uh, and what's weird is I liked the uh, Europe. The, so the Hyatt is a European company, right? So like the, the very high management is European in, in a lot of these big hotels, right? But the, the the staff, most of the staff, Japanese. And remember how mean sometimes like some of the European people were to the. We couldn't believe it. Remember that, Stas? Yeah, yeah. It was so I know. hardcore. So there was one guy named uh, Isagai. Isagai-san was one of the bartenders. Uh, I don't know his last name. Anyway, he helped us. And when my son Dax came, uh, they were super nice to Dax. Dax was, I don't know, how old was he at Stas? He was like eight something. He was really young, right? And we were taking him around and uh, Isagai takes off his, his uh, he had like a silver chain. It's cool. It's like cool shape. Takes it off and puts it around Dax's neck. Dax still has it. We call it the Isagai chain. Oh, my God. I got to find this guy. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's not the story. So, Nastasia and I, before my family showed up and before, uh, you know, her boyfriend at the time showed up, we went, I've told the story on the air before, but we went to, we were just wandering around Tokyo. We have no idea where we are. And, you know, I'm very cheap. So, I didn't pay for data. So, I had no GPS. I had no nothing. And you know how hard Tokyo is to get around, especially if you can't speak. You know what I mean? And, uh... Remember, Stas, they literally gave us a piece of paper to hold up that says, we're idiots, please tell us how to get back to our hotel. Remember? <laughs> it just said, take me back to my hotel. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Yeah, yeah. Take me back. Anyway, um, so it's, like, it's late. We'd already gone to one place where we had gotten the whole experience where they wash the ice and they do all this stuff, and we went to another one. And then our host left, so we were there, and we just were wandering around. And we hear, we hear like a noise. So we go over to this, I don't know, maybe a house, maybe a, I don't know, maybe, maybe a, a bar. We don't know. 
and we look in, and there's right sides. There were there were people. There was a bar downstairs, kind of, right? No, I think it was somebody's house. I don't think so. I don't know. I think it was a bar. There was a lot of people in there, and I thought they were in a line like at a bar, right? And so we knock. They open the door, and we obviously can't say anything. We don't know anything. And they look at us, and we look at them, and they all have drinks. And so they just take us upstairs and put us on, like, a balcony and give us, a, like, a, a buzzer. And then they come up, and they just start bringing us stuff. Did we even pay those people? What the hell happened, Stas? What happened to us, Masa? Is this something that happens in Tokyo, or is this yeah. completely random? You know, like, you feel, definitely many people feel pressure. And after these like amazing compliments, and that's that's like what we get. That not we. Um, if I was living in Japan, working in a hotel, or working in the bar, that's the kind of pressure I would get. That all these amazing, kind of out of the world compliments, you know, like just like like the, what just happened, just like you said, that the impression, kind of makes us like kind of makes me. Uh, that would make me feel like like. I gotta keep trying. I gotta keep trying. There's sometimes I definitely feel the pressure when I was working at Katana Kitten because. When you do something special to one person and everyone expects it. and that's the beauty of, you know, like just like the, our talent is that like noticing, make sure everyone feels special. So, you know, like that's, that's kind of very unique a compliment to, towards, you know, like certain place, which is Tokyo or Japan. And then when you travel and then like unexpected kind of surprise that in absolute positive way that like remember that people remember those that the you know the, your you know the doctor's chain into you know that those like food and that the drinks and came out in right timing that very un, unexpected situation which is you could walk past but like you notice something and it's just randomly walked in that randomness you know and then you get that something you know you don't have to remember what it was but like there was a food and then the drinks that like something you had you know so so we didn't do anything wrong? No, 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 100% not. I, I think people in general, wherever you travel to, I think like just like people like you and charming and nice and, you know, ask nicely and then people do a favor for you, you know. Because <laughs> like I know for sure, like every every once in a while, Nastasia, you're like, man, I don't know if we did something wrong. Right? <laughs> right? Anyway. Uh, all right. Back to... Uh, John, didn't you say we had more questions for these guys? I don't want to miss them. We had one more question. Uh, somebody wanted you to just speak about the trend of koji and drinks and Amazaki and, and other similar such products. That yeah. is, uh, there's a person, the perfect person to uh, answer the question. Uh, his name is Don Lee. Um, oh, yeah. But Don's not here today. And I know pretty much nothing about koji. To be honest, I know it's, it's a starter for many different things. And I know koji, I know the word koji as Japanese, born and raised, growing up, very familiar sound. But like, no, I don't, I, yes, one point, maybe in school, you know, like some, uh, the, the chemistry class or something, maybe, maybe they talked about a koji, you know, that, but, you know, you're not really paying attention at the time. So, but um, what koji, when you say koji, to me that the, the, the word and the flavor and the aroma association is go to, yes, sake, uh, miso, uh, shiokoji, which is used in uh, uh, lots of cooking. Um, and then the amazake you mentioned, like kind of sake kasu. So kind of sake kasu, that kind of flavor and aroma, kind of sweet aroma, you know, uh, kind of 
reminds me of the kind of connection to uh, koji as well. Amazake, koji, sake, but no alcohol. Um, you know. Um, sorry, that's my... <laughs> well, you're, 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 you're approaching it more from a taste perspective than from a, a technical perspective, which is how you should. You know, right? Um, like just like a yeast, right? Is it so? Like something lives there, you know, in the in the air. The um, kura, uh, kura is traditional Japanese house 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 um, uh, the structure. So there's a main home and a kura. The kura where you store things, which is kind of thick, uh, insulated, kind of like made out of kind of mud, but kind of the more silky way, and lots of. Um, uh, it's the stokes and the grains in it, like to get, kind of make it like uh, structure, uh, structurally stronger. So kura, like you know that the Japanese traditional kawara, uh, the roofing and the kura, that's um, where uh, grandmas, you know, generations, and they keep uh, uh, the pickling. When you open it, you smell it. You smell um, very unique. It's not funky. Actually, maybe it could be funky, but uh, to me, it's more about cold, even in the summer day. You know, they're just like running around outside and they open the heavy door of Kura, uh, walk in, and then you smell that dusty because it's so dusty in there. <laughs> dusty, but cold, wet, um, but salty. Very particular smell. It's hard to describe. And you were, you were around think, this stuff when you were a kid? Yes. And then that's, that, that should have the aroma of koji too, I think. But you grew up in a modern house or not in mm-hmm. a modern? No, no. You go, Really? I'm from countryside. I'm but, from but, but, but yeah, yeah. But like I didn't know whether you like uh, still lived in a modern. So did you have like an Aurori in the whole thing? No, that I, w- I wish we did. But it, it, that was a little before. Yeah. So that the, I'm, I'm, maybe my grandpa's house renovated at one point when I was like maybe five or six. So maybe that time before it was, but the, after that, even after that, I grew up in uh, you know beautiful tatami mat. You know, like that's why I, I slept on, and um, and then yeah, until we moved, uh, my dad built his house uh, literally like uh, five steps out, and then yeah, that's my koji. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So like. Uh- <laughs> Do you miss that that kind of construction, that kind of feeling for living? Because like New York is so kind of f- physically not serene. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's physically punishing here. Do you th- miss it or no? I do. I think. Now you told me this, and I miss it. <laughs> I think. Imagine like you know, like maybe um, a place in upstate New York or somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then built a traditional Japanese house. That could be cool. There was a guy, I never visited him, decades ago, he built a traditional house in Colorado. I tried to go to his restaurant, mm. uh, like decades and decades ago, before people did this, and he built the traditional house with the Aurori and everything, Amazing. and like he had a restaurant and a school there, but I didn't get to visit when I was there. I was kind of depressed. So, like, on this subject uh, of Japan, so something that's interesting, so, like, uh, like I... I like we're separated like a little bit. I'm 50, almost 51, right? So we're separated a little bit generation. So people, my generation and older, right? Like the people I knew, if you were in Japan professionally in the hospitality world and you came to the U.S., you didn't go back to Japan, right? It's like, it was kind of like a one way. It's kind of like, so you had to almost break tie almost. I don't know, it seemed weird, right? But now it's completely different. So it could, when people were coming in Japan, 15 years ago, they would hire like a Westerner to come open something for the concept, but not necessarily a, 
a Japanese person who had gone somewhere and come back. But now it's totally different, huh? What do you think is, is the change? I mean, that sounds really interesting, really fun. I think it's, I think it's amazing. Yeah, just like you said, that the, um, just like a Shingo. I think it, it's Shingo, uh, Gokan. I think, I, I think he's like perfect example. You know, he travels and uh, lived in New York and now how successful he is. And he opened in the barn in Shanghai and uh, Tokyo as well. Um, but 20 uh, years ago, this never would have happened. Right. And then Soran and the, uh, Soran as well. I think he, yes, he lived and worked in London and he came back. And uh, Gen Yamamoto, um, I believe I've been to his bar. It was beautiful. Um, also, he worked in New York and he went back and opened his bar. So um, I, think it's, I think it's amazing. So would you ever open a place in Japan? That'd be super cool. Yeah. <laughs> that was super cool you know like imagine like if you have I have something in there so I get to see my family maybe half of the time and yeah. you know then my family can travel with me half of the time um, yeah that'd be cool the cool thing is you don't need a liquor license really that's crazy uh, wait so a couple of things I would be remiss one uh, you said that when you're make a daiquiri, you like to hit it in the Vita Prep for a little bit to aerate it first. I actually think that's a really good idea. Garrett Richard, who worked with me, he likes to sometimes pre-aerate with uh, those little bzz, those little handheld Handy, yeah. uh, I think it's a good idea. I think it's a very good idea. But do you actually do... I, I never asked you about this. Do you actually do that behind the bar whenever someone orders a daiquiri off menu or, or only sometimes? <laughs> sometimes. Yes. Yeah. I think it's a good idea. Yeah, it's cool. You know, it's just random. I think that I made up for my uh, friend Stilo. Uh, remember the time that he he came and he uh, he was working for a uh, bank's run back then, and um, you know I'm making something special. You know, just just we thought about it and just didn't did it. Yeah. It like, now, I feel I got to set the record straight. Also, like, uh, look, so the hard shake, right, and the cobbler shaker. I'm still. Obviously, I know you love the cobbler shaker. I'm never going to get my brain around the cobbler shaker. For those of you that don't know, that's the three-part strainer. But, like, it's very Japanese, right? I mean, where it came from is not important. It's very Japanese using the cobbler shaker. Um, so many years ago, the people, everyone was talking about uh, the hard shake. And um, what happened was is uh, Ueda-san, uh, <laughs> at the tender bar, even at the time, he was maybe in his 60s, right? And everyone was talking about the hard shake as this technique to get a certain kind of flavor in a cocktail. But uh, the he, not him, but Americans built around him this mystical concept of what it could do. And then Greg Bohm, actually, your partner, my old partner, shipped him over here and he did a class. And I came out saying that I didn't think that the hard shake had any kind of meaning in terms of how it made, but it, it makes me sound like a bad guy, right? So the thing is, is, I think he was very, he looked very good when he was shaking. I just don't think that his particular shaking technique made the drink better in a way that we should focus on his technique in particular. I just want to clear, clear up my perception of what he was doing. And it is true, I believe that Aeration differs. It's more dilution doesn't change that much depending on what kind of... Anyway, anyway, I just want to clear up because I know that, like, people have said that, and I never meant to be disrespectful to him or his work. Just I'm saying, you know. But anyway. But you have your own version of, the, of what you call the hard shake. But for you, it's also, you care more about 
aeration. You want to talk about what it means to you, the term heart shake? Because you mentioned it in the book several times. I think, I think, I think as your experience, you know, like that doesn't matter. You walk into this small bar or like a big high volume bar. I think as that shaking or preparation, there's certain kind of like, you know, the person's style of the shaking. And then I, as that theatricalness becomes a part of the experience, uh, what essentially comes uh, down to in front of you, that the glass sitting in nice and cold, you know, that they either... Some people even like double strength where it's got the strainer, but the hole's big. So it's just like, you know, it comes out and they catch it with some tea strainer. Or directly from, you know, hard shake to, you know, the still kind of vigorous uh, straining mode. And, you know, like they comes out and then there's a shards floating on top. And some people like it. Some people don't like it because of the way that it comes to your mouth and like the melts and kind of watery, tastes watery. So I think it, everything comes down to even to me that, the, you know, like those kind of straight, sharp uh, shoulders, straight shape, cobbler shaker to like, the, just like today, that round shape. Does that taste um, different? Maybe to my feeling that like, you know, rounder, maybe rounder, you know, that the, 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 the um, let's make it a daiquiri in the heart shake. And then if I make uh, myself the exact same ratio, same amount, same amount of ice, not the how many, which is literally same amount of ice. Make sure your hand is, when you first grab it, your hand is warm enough, not the second shake, that your hand's colder. So kind of to that level and make it too different from the, the straight shape, uh, cobble shaker to rounder one. Maybe rounder one tastes a little rounder and then the straight shape might taste a little bit more um, uh, refreshing or, you know, like a more acidity comes out. I, I don't know, like a kind of uh, feeling to me. But um, I think it's kind of part of experience and part of it oh how come he's shaking so hard and how come he's not spilling anything and on his white jacket and the kind of yeah it looks you know, great whole, yeah so oh i have very, i have almost zero time so on on the way out where's it describe first of all uh i only know how to walk there what's the address of katana kitten again i only know how to walk 531 hudson street so it's on hudson street between uh charles and um Oh my gosh, what's that called? It's the Charles and the Tenth. Charles okay. and the Tenth. Yeah. And uh, the book uh, with Masa and Michael Anstanding, uh, Japanese Art of the Cocktail. You can get it uh, on discount at Kitchen Arts and Letters from our Patreon. But on the way out, uh, describe as we're bleeding out here the Hinoki Martini. How it looks. Such a pretty drink. It's so beautiful. Describe in in the sake box. That is very well made dry martini, but little touch of Japan. Delicious. Yeah. He, he, look at his book to see a picture of it and then go to Katana Kitten and drink one. Thanks, guys, for coming on. Hope you had a good time. We'll see you next week. Cooking Issues.